ora everyone. Welcome back to Under the Whariki. My name is Anatola. Kia ora, I'm Tahu. And today we're going to be talking about homelessness. With our specialist guest, our bro, Aaron. Cheer bro. Kia ora, no mai, no mai, ki Under the Whariki. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself bro? Yeah, kia ora. Um, ko Aaron Hendry, toka ingoa. Um, yeah, I'm a youth worker and rangatahi advocate and I um, specifically I support rangatahi that experience homelessness. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Wow, there's lots to unpack, eh? Yeah, I'm super excited to learn from you and hear about your knowledge and your experiences and the information that we can share with people. But also just to have a conversation, I think like we're yeah. super comfy and cosy. Um, so yeah, we're going to head into kind of like an icebreaker, just kind of warm up the space, warm up people's palates and whatnot. Um, so we're going to do a little icebreaker called Yeah Na Na Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say a statement. Tahu and I like to disagree on many things. So <laughs> let's see what his answer is going to be this time. So I'm going to say, say a statement and then we're going to have a little conversation about it. Whether it's year na for you or na year. Right. So, watching a movie slash TV show with the subtitles turned on, do you feel like it's a year na or a na year? Do you like the subtitles? Is it like an English speaking movie or... I like guess English, it, it, English. Oh, yeah. English but obviously movie. if it's Chinese then it's obviously yeah. subtitles. Yeah, I'm assuming it would be like anything that would need to subtitles. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm assuming it would be. Nah, just a straight just up English straight, movie. Oh, okay. You're watching Avengers. Oh, oh you're okay. Like, okay. You got subtitles you. on. I was thinking yeah. K-dramas. Mm. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> got you, got you. Yeah, okay, nah. Yeah. nah, you're not like subtitles? Yeah, no. nah. Yeah, nah. Tom? Um... Mind them. I'm a nah, yeah. I don't really, I don't really mind. I like, I like the visuals. Also, sometimes I think like you can't really catch everything they're saying. Mm. So, I'm also, I love to read. So I love like reading all the little details what they're saying. So cool. I'm a nah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Come on, Linda. Nah, nah. Uh, surprisingly, oh, yeah? I agree. Oh, yeah. Nah, yeah. But only because I have a self-diagnosed hearing impairment. <laughs> yeah, I choose when I can hear things. No, I actually can't hear that well. Right. Yeah. So reading that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm always telling Che to turn it up, and then she'd be like, "You can hear it." <laughs> and I'm like, "I promise, I can't hear it." Just, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Because <laughs> then it comes to do the dishes. I can't hear you. So what was that? Yeah. So what? Go, what? Go yeah. for a sleep. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> I love it. All right, so yeah, following up from our icebreaker, we're going to go straight into pop quiz with you. Sweet. And you have a few questions I do. written for us. Yes. And it's a game where he'll give us the question, we'll put on the answer. Yep. I'll put on the answer. And then, <laughs> we'll, and then she'll give you an opinion. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a little corridor about it too. Yeah. So what's All our right. first You ready? Oh, All right. we, got got you ready? we got these beautiful oh, whiteboards. Okay. We just had lunch. Don't look at my answers, Tahu. Alright. Alright. Number oh, one. Okay. What proportion of the oh, population God. live in overcrowded fuddy? Oh. We're looking for a percentage, right? Mm, okay. What percentage? Yeah. Oh, like uh, one in how many sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Appreciate one in how many? Okay. Mm. Yep. Uh, okay. Oh, it's like last time I'm like, is this too little, too more, too much? We're gonna learn, we're gonna learn. Okay, you go first, so. <laughs> One and three, farmer? 
I said one in four. Wow. Uh, one in nine. Oh, oh. we were assuming. Wow. <laughs> one in we're nine. So far off. So you're way more far off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one in nine, that's Dang. still a lot. Yeah, that's still I a lot. the question yeah. you threw me off was. And, um, you know, a real interesting thing is, you know, under our definition of homelessness in Aotearoa, um, overcrowded, unstable housing classifies as experiencing it's, homelessness. Wow. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. Right. Where is it most common, do you think? Do you know? In terms of overcrowding? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know in terms of, um, I mean, I know we have a lot in Tamaki. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I wouldn't know if it's more common here or less common out in the regions. Yeah. Does overcrowded count as, like... If there's four bedrooms, there should only be five people in the house. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, time. yeah, uh, I wouldn't be able to give you a strict definition, but you know, when we're seeing overcrowded housing, it's often, you know, that you've got whānau that are living on the floor or sleeping yeah. on the couch and, right. you know, there's just not enough space. Yeah. Um, it's actually one of the driving factors for youth homelessness. And um, often we see, and again, not... Um, often expected is that sometimes our rangatahi, once they become teenagers, they recognise hey, it's becoming really hard mm. to keep housed as, mm. as a whānau. And some of those older teenagers make decisions, impossible decisions, to leave home to be able to support their whānau to stay where they are. Um, right. Yeah, really heartbreaking stuff. That is That's so it. hard. Mm. I feel like, um, you know, I mean, as a Pacifica person, mm. I feel like, in my experience as a Pacifica person, I feel like we live in villages yeah. and that still even translates from away from our motherland so we it's so normal to have your nana and your auntie mm. and your uncle and your cousins living with you um and i think like sometimes a lot of the, when i'm having conversations with my family they get quite defensive about mm. the homeless factor and the mm. overcrowding because for them it's like so natural for them yeah. and they prefer it that yeah, way but there is thing. yeah it's a lifestyle it's thing and i think I think that's why it's like sometimes really hard for people to talk about that because yeah. some people prefer that but then also there is real issues when it comes to overcrowding um, and safety and health and mm. all of that stuff so mm. yeah. And part of that goes into the how we're designing whare, right? Um, that we're actually not designing it with our larger whānau in yeah. mind mm. and so then we create that problem yeah. and then there's also a, a challenge there around sort of landlords and their expectations and yeah. sometimes we see homelessness coming about because you've got a whānau that have been living Maybe their house is overcrowded, but they're making it work, and it's working for them. But then yeah. the landlord's like, "Well, actually, um, <coughs> you know, I don't want this to happen. I'll either evict you, or you need to move people on." And that becomes mm. really hard for yeah. to deal with. Um, and it's also so expensive. Right. The yeah. larger house you need, the exactly. more zeros are going to be attached to that yep. price tag. Yep. Wow. Okay. Cool. You ready for the second one? Let's go. Yeah. All right. Um, what percentage of the homeless population are under twenty-five? Whoa. This is a great guessing game. What percentage? What percentage? Under 25. 25. 9%. My reasoning is because I feel like a lot of families yeah. and like um, my experience with the care system, I know a lot of our kids experience that when they come out of care mm. and we have so much issues around care mm. and protection. So that was my reasoning to go a little bit higher. Mm. 
Bare det er en fed person. Ja. Yeah. 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 Well, seems like you got some insider knowledge because around 50%. Oh, yeah. shit. That's 50%? Yes. Of yeah. under 25 people. That's right. Um, so, yeah, pretty shocking. Um, that I was actually, hoping I was wrong. Yeah, pretty shocking that actually, even in light of that, there is less support for you if you're a young person that experiences yeah. homelessness than if you're an adult. Um, what? So, 50% of people under 25 are homeless. That's right. Uh, who are part of the homeless population. Oh, part so, of the homeless. you know, when we look at all of our whanau that are experiencing homelessness in Aotearoa, um, about 50% of those are rangatahi, so under 25. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking because you can hear the stories, but when mm. you put it into numbers, you're just yeah. like, it's oh, wild. I didn't hear the question right. Tahu, <laughs> 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 I'm sitting here thinking... <laughs> Out of a 25-year-old and under, yeah, no, of the homeless population yes, yeah, yeah. is under 25. I'd be better for <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 4%, man, like, let's dream. Let's yeah, go. I love this. Okay. I'm going for zero, but 4% is a good, let's work on that. Yeah, that was a hopeful response. Yeah. yeah but I you're wrong, it. sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very wrong. Wow, but still, out of the whole homeless population, yeah. but to be so young. So yeah. young. That's half of the population yeah. is... Under 25. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And they have less resources, you're saying. That's it. Yeah. Um, specifically, our rangatahi that are independent, so they're not living with their whanau because, for whatever reason, it's not safe to do so, or, yeah. you know, their whanau are in a, in a difficult situation and can't care for them at the moment. Like, yeah, there's there's a lack of resources for them, definitely. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I just felt that. I'm like, it's such a hard thing to, it's such a confronting realization. Yeah. Um, and a painful one, you know, yeah. it's like, it just, it sucks so badly. It does. Yeah. Anyway, next question. Yeah. Oh, this is a sad point. I know. <laughs> 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 Grab yourself a cup of tea. Yeah. Hot chocolate. Yeah, but it is good to yeah. know these things. Yeah. I need my weighted blanket. Okay. So question three. Okay. He, he's ready. Uh, approximately how many people in Auckland are experiencing homelessness? How many people in Auckland? A million people in Auckland, eh? A million? Break that down by another. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we need a percentage though, eh? Yeah. Okay. No, no, About a number. No? We're looking for a number. Oh, a number yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. shoot. Okay. What's the percentage? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say that. Okay. There's a million people. Okay, I'm just gonna go. You go first. <laughs> I've gone with seventy-seven thousand. Wow. <coughs> yep. Oh no. That's so much. <laughs> I've got more. I've got more. Oh. I've went one hundred and twenty. <laughs> That'll be so far off. <laughs> Whoa. We're not laughing because it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's just. No, well, look, um, you're very pessimistic, but we're a bit more optimistic news. 18,000. Uh, oh. 18, yeah. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's well, really no, good. That's <laughs> really good. Well, in comparison, <laughs> in comparison to what you got there, yeah, like, yeah I mean, way to make a really depressing number look good. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a million people, and because of. Anyway. Oh, 
Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, and in saying, and saying that, like, the number is, like, it's, it's hard to get these numbers, you know, because, like, our whanau yeah. who are like, experiencing this, like, yeah. they're not necessarily easy to track down. And so, so, yeah, um, that's an approximate number. You know, it could be higher, it could be lower. And probably Still 18,000 people, a lot that's of people too much. Before, right? Yeah. Yeah. And find housing for. Yeah. Oi. That's still a lot of people, but 120 and 7,000 is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different ballgame. Yeah. So how much in New Zealand do you know uh, approximate population of the homeless? Sorry, no, I don't. I don't know. Sort of nationally, I wouldn't be able to give you a figure on that. Okay. Um, but so yeah, Auckland, s- but Auckland's obviously like one of our bigger hubs. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of our whānau come into the city to sort of try to seek support. So yeah, that's one of the places where we're experiencing a lot of that pressure. Right. Mm. Yeah. That seems Sorry, really 41, low. Thousand. You got it. Nice. Forty-one thousand. Forty-one thousand. Wow. Do you think that's that's not as big as the problem that there is right now? You mean do you <laughs> s- do I think it's bigger? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, likely because um, stigma around homelessness, um, understanding that sometimes what you're experiencing is homelessness. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a lot of underreporting. It's also a hard community to um i guess collect data on yeah you know, not always as connected <laughs> as you know a lot of other whanau um so yeah I, I think it would be high specifically when we talk about our rangatahi population yeah. i believe that's higher than what's reported um often our young people don't actually imagine themselves to be homeless right it's not the, it's not the language they use it's actually just their life you yeah. know One of the most heartbreaking mm. things that i hear from our young people when i ask them you know how long have you experienced homelessness um often they're like oh what is that you know you have to explain it and they're like you know, unsafe, unstable housing. Staying in like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's been my life. Like I've never right. had a home, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think those numbers are probably going to be higher. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm a little bit like, well, digesting all of that information. Mm. So that, yeah. Mm. Wow. Any more questions? Yeah, we've got one more. Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Can we get one right, please? <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, of those living without shelter in Tamaki, what ethnicity made up the highest proportion? Māori. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say Māori too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 43.1%. Whoa. Yeah. What a depressing question to get right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was going to say right. it. I don't know. This is not the one I wanted to get right. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Oh. I mean, there's, there's a range of reasons. I think, you know, one of the real clear um, reasons is it has history in, in colonization. You know, yeah. we, we, we've got generational poverty. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of the most heartbreaking stories that I've heard far too often is whānau that um, have been homeless for generations, right? Houseless yeah. for generations, you know? Um, and, you know, specifically when we look at our young people, as I said before, we get to the situation where mum and dad and Pepe and, you know, brothers and sisters have been bouncing around from house to house trying to place, find a place to go. And you get to this point where um, it's really hard to find someone that's going to, you know, allow you to stay or has the space. And then our teenagers make these difficult decisions to say, well, I'm going to leave my whanau and go it alone. Mm. Um, so that, you know, the rest of my whanau can have a place to stay. And mm. it's, oh. Teenagers should never have to make decisions like that. No, those are not yeah. decisions that you want anyone making. No. Yeah. 
and and what a heavy burden to carry yeah. for these young people, which then obviously connects to so many other issues. Yeah, you know, if we think about mental health and oh, yeah. you know, trying to communicate your needs yeah. and due to shame and pride and whatnot, like all those things contribute mm. into so many more issues, which possibly escalates when they get older, right? Yeah. which is so. And we've got we've got so many barriers for our young people to even get help when they're experiencing yeah. homelessness, and one of them is that stigma, right? Um, you know, I, I talked to a couple of young people once who, who, you know, they were they had been experiencing homelessness. We managed to support them into some housing, and then um, you know they got work, and you know they were doing well. They come off the benefit, they're feeling great, um, and then something went wrong, and they had to leave their job. Mm. Um, and instead of going back to MSP <coughs> to try to seek support, they you know, they decided, look, uh, well, they kind of avoided it. And it, it took ages and the landlord almost evicted mm. them and then we got involved. And I remember calling them and saying, look, why didn't you just go get your benefit reinstated? Like, why didn't, because, you know, you didn't need to get to this point. Um, and they shared with me, they're like, man, we didn't want to go because we didn't want to be like those sort of Māori. Because mm. right? like for them, walking thing. into that space, they thought, man, I'm going to be judged. Mm. I'm going to be, you know, everyone's going to think like I'm just here to like collect the doll and that's it, you know. They're going to look at me as if I don't deserve this, mm. as if I've done this to myself. Um, and so there's so much shame and stigma accessing yeah. the service that is meant to be there to care, <coughs> love and support them. And so, you know, when you think about, you know, if they hadn't had a head up of supports around them, then they would have been evicted and they would have gone back into another experience of homelessness. Mm. We see this so often. Our young people are so afraid to ask for support from systems that are designed to be there for them, that they'd rather sleep on the street than ask for support mm. because of their experiences have been so traumatic. Mm. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time they would be um, so scared because of how media portray these issues yeah. and these and these communities. And so when you're seeing all of that, you know, propagated through our lenses on, on telephones mm. and on, on laptops and iPads and, and TV, it's like all of that kind of gets filtered in and it creates like another barrier yeah. for people to access things, which is just, yeah, you and, know, and, yeah. And, a, and a common like experience for young people walking into like say MSD seeking support is to get this thrown back in your face to say, oh, look, you have, um, you, you know, you're responsible for your experience of homelessness, you know, you've obviously mm. done something that has left you here, so yeah. like go back to mum and dad and sort it out. And wow. like, that's not always the case. And again, that's built off stereotypes and discrimination rather than actually listening to that young person, understanding what's going on in their lives. Yeah. Wow. Quick judgments are, may, are made just um, just based on their appearance. Mm. It's just, oh, should I? It is, yeah. The Māori, especially, because they're such a communal living mm. people, um, to know that we're the ones in our whenua mm. that can't even find our whare. Yeah. 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 It's it's horrific. Another one of those driving factors <laughs> for for our young Māori rangatahi, and, and I guess it's across the board, <coughs> but um, we know that you know our young Māori are often uplifted, you know, at a higher rate, right? Mm. Um, into care systems and so mm. we see a lot of young people um, who as children were taken into care um, because of you know just the complex trauma and harm they've experienced um, they've never been able to have a stable placement and so they've kind of been moved around like majority of their lives and then they become teenagers and they've never had somewhere to call home and then they go into this longer term experience of homelessness when the state sort of steps away um, so that's another like real key like pipeline into homelessness yeah. for our oh. young <coughs> and like the transiency of all of that yeah. and so when you don't have a home you're also not going to find that connection to a place so yeah. it's like contributes to some as we said before so many other things 
and it's like it's as you said like maori is so communal mm. and so like how isolating that would be mm. and i think like when we think about mental health i feel like often people are like oh that person has depression or that mm. person has anxiety but i feel like what I've noticed is like there's a sense of helplessness and hopelessness mm. when it escalates to a really dangerous, you know, experience yeah. of mental health, which we all have mental health, but yeah. it's more so when it gets to the really dangerous levels. And I feel like that helplessness and hopelessness and isolation would be so high when it comes to people who live, you know, who live ho as homelessness. Mm. And it's just, it's really overwhelming to yeah. like learn about and talk about but i can't even imagine what it would feel like for someone who actually lives this reality yeah you know like yeah. they must be so sick of being talked about yeah you know what i mean like yeah. they must be so sick of it being used in all political years and research and whatnot when you know yeah. and, and and not actually acknowledging the reality of what arangata you're going through you know like we're having this big <sighs> conversation at the moment around youth crime and there's this huge like yeah. narrative around who those young people are but you know, I know um, young people have been involved in sort of ram raids and have been mm. in that situation. And I also know the reality is that they've been experiencing homelessness and they haven't had safe places to live and they haven't had people around them that actually cared enough to actually say, look, how do we look after you? How do we keep you safe? Um, mm. And we've got government systems that are putting young people in back into experiences of homelessness rather than caring for them. Yeah. And so there's, you know, why do we wonder that our young people um, don't feel like they, they only th owe anything to society, you know? Mm. As a collective, we've failed them. As a collective, we've allowed them to, and in the worst case, sleep on our streets. Basically mm. said, look, stuff you, we don't care. And, and so there's a real hopelessness within some of our youth communities. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's such a, that was such a powerful moment that you shared, yeah, for sure. Are you feeling it? I'm like... Makes you dizzy, eh? Like, the, like the, I feel my core warming up and mm. getting angry. Mm. And, and it's sad because I don't do enough mm. at all. Like, uh, pretty much nothing to help the cause. I'm happy in my house. My kai in my cupboard. This isn't a, often a subject I actually think about. Because even in, within our whānau, we've got enough resources between us mm. that any of our whānau struggling comes that hours, yeah. how long as you need, all those type of things. So I haven't actually had to face it front on, but hearing all these stats and what the reality actually is, yeah. that's happening right under our noses, it's, mm. it's shameful yeah. to us, to me anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think that when I, I went to New York for the first time when I was 16 and I went on a business trip mm. um, with um, 14 other students, which I'm so grateful and lucky that I got yeah. to do that. My parents, you know, worked really hard to get me there. And um, I remember going and, and really romanticizing our tender. Like, we're mm. so different to America. Like, mm. oh my God, like every corner I was, you know, confronted with the realities of the homelessness there mm. as, a, as a young girl that lived a very privileged life. And I was like, oh my God, we don't have that in Aotearoa. Like, mm. we don't have these issues. Mm. And I remember coming back home and just being confronted um, in a really, like, intense way. And my rose petal glasses were completely yeah. taken off my eyes. And I was like, wow, we've got these issues. Um, do you find that a lot of people, like, romanticise that stuff, the issues in Aotearoa, in the yeah. sense where we don't experience it or they compare us to other places? So what would you think are the misconceptions when it comes to homelessness in Aotearoa? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, we're starting to get a bit more awareness around homelessness, around youth homelessness. There's still a huge disbelief. Like, mm. yeah. I have this conversation with people and they're like, nah, that's not reality. There's no mm. way that we, there's no way that there's nowhere that a young person could go, you know? And the reality is right now, if you're 16, you experience homelessness. 
there is absolutely no guarantee that tonight you're going to find somewhere to stay. Mm. You know, um, you're going to need to find the right advocacy. You're going to need to find the right support. And actually, a year ago or a year and a bit ago, um, most hotels, emergency accommodation, wouldn't take you. Right. And so, you know, we had that experience a while back. Um, during, well, 2020, right? The lockdowns. You remember mm. the reports that were, hey, New Zealand had entered, ended homelessness, right? Mm. Um, we were putting our adult whānau into hotels. And yet, we had 16, 17-year-olds that were being denied support and were not getting into those hotels. And instead, you know, I, I connected with quite a few after the initial lockdowns ended who said that they'd slept under bridges. They'd slept in um, graveyards. You know, they had uh. been sleeping um, in really unsafe overcrowded environments where they were being exploited and abused just to keep a roof over their heads this was their reality we hadn't ended homelessness for our young people mm-hmm. and and we've still got such a long way to go and when you share this a lot of people they don't believe it you know like, yeah. how could this be possible in this just inclusive aotearoa new zealand which mm-hmm. we have right uh, surely our government has a place for these young people surely we've done enough and, and there's there's amazing work being done in the community yes but there's definitely not enough sad because my my flatmate he's a um, youth worker as well mm. and um he he only works with troubled youth mm. um, who have gone through the yj system yeah and mm. like it's only then they pick them up to put them in housing and stuff so i'm just yeah. wondering now yeah. you know do they have to be homeless and then commit a crime before yeah we and, and even and even then the it's truth. limited right even right. then it's so limited the amount of housing that we have for yeah. in that situation you know again like august 21 lockdown like i had a young man um who'd gone before the court the judge was like yeah we want to put you in prison like we want to bail you but his home was just not a safe environment you know mm. he went back there he was going to continue um getting into the trouble he was getting into but also he, he wasn't safe himself Mm. Um, there was nowhere for him to go. He got put in a hotel. Mm. That in itself wasn't a safe environment for him either, you know? Yeah, and so, like, he was exited from the court into homelessness. Yeah. And and so, like, you're talking about sort of drivers of homelessness for Aotearoa. The justice system is another. It's a pipeline straight into homelessness for young people. Um, again, we haven't done enough to set up the infrastructure to support our young people to ensure that we actually have the services and supports are there for them when they need it. What would a safe yeah. infrastructure like that look like? Because yeah. I know what you mean about like how they go to the hotels. There's a street on um, in Hams where all those motels are booked mm. out to um, social housing. Yeah. And all of them are filled with gang members yeah. and um, whatnot. And it, uh, yeah, it's not a safe environment for any little 16-year-olds going to. What does that look like for the youth? Yeah, look, I think it's about designing like specific supported accommodation environments for rangatahi um, yeah. that, that fits their needs. And there are some of these services that are, that are developing. Um, you know, in Tamaki, we have, we have several, which is really great. But again, those services are overwhelmed. Um, you know, I think long term in terms of something we need to look at doing is actually legislate to ensure that government agencies um, are providing the right supports. Um, and cannot exit a young person out of homelessness. So, you know, if the justice system um, says, hey, you're going to have X amount of young people coming through your system this year, they need to have actually funded and supported supported accommodation mm. facilities so that young people have housing when they exit the system and can get the support they need um, rather than being exited into unstable and unsafe accommodation. Mm. Which is, is so widespread yeah. across Aotearoa, but if we're focusing on Tamaki Makoto, yeah. is is very much like... It's yeah. very apparent. Yeah, and, and one of the heartbreaking things is Tamaki probably has um, the most services, yet all those services, again, are, are overwhelmed, turning people away daily. Um, 
and it's you know and then you go to the regions there's a lot less and so yeah there's huge gaps across the country around um services for because yeah. i found when i was a social worker that i struggled a lot with building trust mm. in a sense it wasn't a struggle to get the trust it was more so that when they would first see me, they'd be like, you're a social worker. They would yeah. associate me to SIFS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trying to build a relationship where people have been so violently yeah. um, mistreated by a system that would rather take than to give yeah. space. Um, I found that to be really heartbreaking was trying to build trust with people that you, it was a, it was a deep burden to kind yeah. of be responsible for all the mis fortunes of social workers before me and try to really create the safe environment for these young people and their families to trust that I was there to to support them and work with them. I'm not here to be above you or below you, I'm here to work with you and that can be really hard. Have you found that building trust with young people that have been burnt so much, has that been a big struggle for you in your work? Yeah, look, I I often say that, you know, we've got to recognise as professionals, um, specifically, you know, as a youth worker that, I stand in the space of every adult that has harmed you, you know, uh, every every professional that has let you down, uh, and then actually as a as a professional in this space, um, it's not a it's not an entitlement for me to get to work with you. It's a privilege, you know, uh, and I've got to earn the right to be trusted by you. I've got yes. to earn the right to serve you, yeah. and, and that that means that you know, I may have to go above and beyond. You know, like yeah. I think about young people that we've served that I've served over the years. And, you know, they haven't trusted straight away. Mm. And sometimes the reality has been, you know, and you support them to get into housing and then they go back to the street and like, what's that about? And it's really easy to think, oh, you know, get hoa and think, oh, you just don't care, you know. Mm. But the reality is when we understand that actually those young people have been traumatized, there's a reason why they don't trust us. Yeah. There's a reason why they're going back to what they know because, exactly. hey, maybe they feel safer on the street because at least they know the game they're playing. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. at least they know the people around them. They know the, the ways to keep themselves in that, yeah. self safe in that environment. Um, that actually sometimes it's about going out to those streets, finding them, building the trust, continuing to reach out, never giving up. And that's where I've seen the most success in healing mm. is that is that when we actually, you know, I talk a lot about, I guess, in this mahi is really important is solidarity, you know, that actually we don't see ourselves as someone who's, you know, given a hand up, but actually coming alongside Arangatahi, embracing mm. the messiness of their lives, right? Yeah. Standing so close to them that the the muck of their reality gets on us, gets yeah. gets on our own shoes, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really important, um, really important aspect of bringing into the work. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like whenever I hear people talk about homelessness in the sense where it's like, well, they're just getting you know drunk and mm. and they're just taking drugs and mm. you know, and I always think about well, when I'm struggling, yeah. I also turn to really negative vices as well yeah. because it gives me instant pleasure yeah it gives me something that i feel like is going to solve my problem then and there or it's going to make me forget and when i'm feeling hurt i'm going to try to forget it right then and there and i feel like there's just such a lack of compassion Mm. you know for people um that that experience homelessness or just experience something that's different to us how do you how do you educate people that don't know much but how do you word it in a way where they can understand that's a human obviously you can't teach empathy but are there ways that you have found have been helpful in trying to have those conversations yeah yeah i mean i think the focusing on some real life stories around you know the reality for people again Mm. i think we have some really unhelpful narratives around addiction in in our country you know um i view um addiction often you know very much through a health lens and as you said like we all have things that we use to cope with the reality of our lives you know i drink way too much coffee right that's my thing (laughs) you know um but you know, often with actually with every young person that I've served, 
um, who's experienced homelessness and then is using, you know, some form of substance to help them survive and cope with that. Often there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. You know, the reason might be the reality that they're on the street tonight and they've got huge trauma and they actually don't have any support to deal with it, you know? Totally. Um, or they've got this undiagnosed mental health um, mm. or disability, you know, that they haven't actually got the support for. Um, you know, one of the one of the stories that sort of really taught me this, when I first started getting into this mahi, I was... I was actually in between jobs. I was busking on Queen Street to, to you know, mm. try to get by. And, and I met this young man. And at the time, like, I had a real, like, I guess, negative idea around homelessness. I thought, you know, that idealized Aotearoa, right? Like, if you were homeless, it was because yeah. you wanted to be, right? Oh, yeah. That was it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And then I started to meet all, all the whanau on the street and hearing their stories. And one of the first young men that actually shared with me his story um, told me about how Look, he'd moved down to Tamaki to stay with his girlfriend. They'd broken up. She had <laughs> destroyed all of his documentation. Oh. His family disowned him. So he couldn't get a bank account. Like, oh, he couldn't shit. apply for a benefit. Yeah. You know, he couldn't get a job. Oh. He was living on the street. He was working really hard to try to get a job. Like, he'd go into, into the library and he'd try to apply for jobs. He'd beg to try to get a phone. He'd get the phone stolen. Like, it was just this cycle. And he couldn't mm. get out of it, right? Um, and he said, like, I really tried not to use drugs for the longest period of time. Like I really tried. I don't mm. want to be that, you know. But it's winter and it's freezing cold, and you know sometimes you know I you know I take crack or I take this or whatever it was, you know, to just not feel. It helps me get through the night. Mm. And I was like, wow. Like how do you judge that guy? Yeah. How can you? you? Know? <laughs> how could you, know, you? Like go home to your safe, warm, comfortable bed, put on put on the yeah. the heating, and yeah. you know like judge him for maybe finding a way to survive his night. Yeah. You know. I think it's really important that we recognize why people are doing the things that they're doing and not judge them for that, but actually look at what is the real problem. The problem yeah. actually isn't the addiction. The problem is the reality that this kid doesn't have somewhere safe to live. Yeah. And let's deal with that. That's you know? so true. The rest of the stuff will happen. It's all about healing. Yeah. You know, Provide someone with a safe, warm environment with the support around them. The healing will happen. Yeah. Get so focused on like, uh, well, before I help you, you need to stop using yeah, X, Y, and yeah. Z. Like, it doesn't get us anywhere. The ethics, eh? That's right. Because oh, yeah. ethics can change. Like that yeah. scenario. You know, like if, you know, for me, we're at home. I'm fed. I'm not worried about Kai. Mm. I'm sheltered. I'm not worried about my home. And then now I now I get the chance. You know, I've got money in the bank. I've got a house, and I've got Kai. And now I get to worry about my mental health. Mm. Hey, and why I'm not happy? What's going on here? But they've got all none of those three, and this one as well. Mm. And just to cope with one of them, like that, I'm cold. I'm tired. I'm over it. Um, who are we to say that? That's not. There's a right or wrong. Eh? There's no right or wrong in that mm. situation. And the way that they're coping with it, it's it's just kāroha. Like mm. There's no, there's no right or wrong to me. It's just sad. And mm. how do we help? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. How do we provide more space for people that are struggling? And I think that's like when we look at this too. I feel like a lot of people distant themselves and yeah. it's like it's like that saint ignorance is bliss yeah. like right like the less you know the more bliss like bliss you oh, live oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's like you know yeah. the less you know it's like whenever i meet with some of my girlfriends who just like don't don't live in this world in the sense where like they're not they're not in a quote-unquote helping profession um and it's great to talk about like very like I guess you could say surface level things because mm. that's like easier to talk about, to giggle and laugh about. Easy, yeah, they, they can, you can digest them quite mm. easy over some cocktails and dinner. But 
when you're sitting and you're having these real conversations with you, someone mm. who's, a, who's had to work and, and, and advocate for people for so long, you, you sit with a type of sadness where you're like, you start feeling like questioning yourself, like, mm. have I done enough? You feel guilty about what you have. And that's also not helpful. Yeah. And I think like a lot of us don't want to have that feeling mm. because then it becomes too real. And I think mm. we live in a, in a generation where we just want to have things so quick and fast yeah. and we kind of push things to the side. And I think that's why I love this space is like under the fatigue mm. is like, how do we bring things to the surface? Because the mm. more you make something visible, right? The mm. more we talk about it, then maybe we can start finding solutions for yeah. it. And when, I, when we're saying solutions, like what do you think are the solutions mm when it comes to homelessness, which I think is gonna, it's a long extensive mm, yeah. time frame for us to ever get to that point. But what do you think is working right now? Yeah, yeah, and I think that first point around like just having more corridor around mm. um, this stuff is really important. Like for a long time, youth homelessness has just been this reality that just wasn't named, you know? Mm. Youth workers up and down the country could have told you, you said like, what are the biggest challenges you're facing? And most youth workers would say, yeah, housing insecurity, homelessness, like it's a big mm. issue, and yet, we haven't really done enough about that. And so then when the government has gone to um, create a response to homelessness, young people have just kind of been neglected because their voice wasn't at the table. It, it wasn't a high enough priority. And so like part of like building change and creating change is kind of raising the public awareness to a point where it's like, actually, this is totally unacceptable. Like mm. us in Aotearoa, we don't want to have a society or a country where actually our young people are living on our streets. We, we demand mm -hmm. something happen about this. And when we get to that level, then the government's gonna move on that and move rapidly. And so that's one real important part of the, the change process is just having conversations with people and mm -hmm. starting to raise awareness to that. Um, in terms of solutions, yeah, it, it's a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many gaps within our whole society where our young people fall through those cracks and end up in an experience of homelessness. Um, I'm part of a, an amazing collective called Manaki Rangatai and, and Manaki Rangatai is sort of, um, you know, a coalition, I guess, of like community, government, um, you know, advocates who are really working to address and end homelessness, youth homelessness specifically in Aotearoa. Um, and, you know, one of the things we've been collectively calling for um, is a strategy to prevent mm. youth homelessness. So like actually looking at those pipelines, looking at those like main drivers around youth homelessness and getting an actual strategic plan around how we're gonna end that and close those gaps. Um, because, you know, long-term, you know, we wanna see a world where youth homelessness just doesn't exist. Absolutely. And I know we can achieve that. It's totally Absolutely. possible. We just need to be a lot more strategic mm. around what we're doing at the moment. And another one of those, you know, objectives is legislation, right? Mm. So legislation that would prevent government organisations from exiting young people from their care into an experience of homelessness. Mm. And, and the idea behind this would be that, hey, you know, state care, for example, if you're leaving the care system, every young person needs to have a funded housing solution mm. before they leave, right? So you can't be exited out of care without actually being exited into housing and getting the support you need to manage that. The justice isn't the same can't just be exited out of the justice system without support and care for that. And this would mean that these government organizations would need to start funding those programs and need to start planning for them. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of the solutions. Uh, another big one is actually, you know, us as a community. You know, I don't think this is just a government issue. You know, mm. these problems begin in our communities. Yeah. And a big question I have is how do we as a community organize ourselves to support our own rangatahi? You know, and sometimes it's about just asking the question. You know, you might be aware that a young person's struggling or your whanau next door is struggling and you know, something's going on and just saying, look, how can we help you? Like, what's mm. going on? 
um, how can we get you connected to um, supports? You know, another initiative I'm a part of, I'm, I'm part of Mass Community Trust, which is a local mm. trust in, in my hood. And, and we're kind of like trying to explore how do we organize ourselves to respond? Mm, and yeah. and we're, we're developing this project called the Safety Net Project. And mm. it's about like unlocking sort of um, host homes, like spare rooms in our community. So like if you've got a young person that's their first experience of homelessness, rather than going into a hotel or, you know, staying somewhere unsafe tonight, they come to a whanau in the community oh. and they get cared for. And, you know, I think those are things that are happening already, like naturally throughout like the country, like it's just something that people do. Yeah. But but those are, I think, those questions around how do we organize so that that can happen a lot more efficiently mm. and that actually we can care for the young people that are within our community. Like I'm a big believer that the community has the power to hold and heal our own, right? We've got the solutions, but sometimes we just need to think about how do we, how do we create the right mechanisms and structures around ourselves to empower each other to do that. Yeah, the actions, right? Yeah. Action points. Wow. How do you feel, Tahu? Heavy. Yeah. Yeah, heavy. Yeah. A little bit lost. Like, just <laughs> lost mm. for words, lost for, yeah, I, I can't word the, or find the words to express how sad, mm. sad the actual criminals is, like heartbreaking, mm. eh? And especially to know, like, it's, it's my people, mm. you know? They're the biggest, yeah. the biggest contingent of that. Stat line, and it's just yeah, just another shit stat town name. Yeah. I think one thing like maybe to center on it is is Arangatahi. You know, like they're not faceless victims in this. You know, like our the young people, people, man, yeah. like they are some of the most courageous, loving, mm. beautiful Arangatahi that I I have ever met. You know, they give me so much courage. You know, I've learned so much mm. from the young people that I've served over this period, and um, and one of the things I think I've learned the most is just that power of hope. You know and that power of like generosity and love and community like i remember this real beautiful moment um in 20 uh, coming out of the 2020 lockdown and I had about three or four young people come into my office and they told me like we'd slept rough over this period and like oh man it was heartbreaking to hear and like uh, me and my team were like busy trying to find somewhere for them to stay tonight and we knew that if we didn't like they were going back on the street tonight yeah. and i remember myself getting so anxious in another room you know hearing them just starting to sing and do waiata and just laugh you know, and, and that ability just to to experience joy in the midst of such horrific injustice. Absolutely. I think that is something we can all learn. Yeah. And then also on top of that, like just the generosity mm. that I that I that I learn from our rangatahi, right? Like so many times I see young people who have nothing that are willing to share like the two dollars that they have with someone else if it means that they get to eat tonight, you know, who will like rather stay on the sleep than leave the streets without their brother. You know, mm. like these are things that like I think we can all benefit from learning. And actually, if we took those lessons, you know, we'd be a different society. A different we'd be a world. better society. We'd be right? a much better society. Yeah. I love that you talked about joy and hope because that's yeah. really important and that these stats are really painful to yes. hear. But there are real experiences attached to those numbers and real yeah. faces. And it's really important that we always humanize that. Yeah. Um, but also that we don't. Um, like the sympathize, like the sympathy yeah. aspect where it's very like condescending. It's yeah. like, how can we do better and be better yeah. as a society? And I just think the way you've worded that was really beautiful. And um, we're going to, we're going to wrap out right mm. now. And I just, I just a quick note to anyone who's listening, like, please go after this and look after yourself and mm. um, take a sure. breather. And um, it's important after hearing all that information to still like know that there's a lot of hope that we can do and yeah. know that you potentially could do something yourself too. But um, 
yeah, give yourself a moment to breathe. And mm. But yeah, thank you so much for contributing to this conversation in such a beautiful, humanizing, compassionate way. And I think we need more of that when we're talking about topics that the media like to really mm. um, demonize and villainize mm. and often attached a very punitive way approach to how we, we deal with it. So I just really appreciate the, the, the mahi that you do and the corridor that you brought to the table and I feel like, or to the chair, the very comfy chair. Yeah. I feel like Tahu and I are gonna have a lot to think about and um, yeah, thank you so much yeah. for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mama. Sure. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, thank you so much. We're gonna wrap oh. up, guys. Thank you so much for having <laughs> experiencing today with us. Um, yeah, oh. take some time for yourself and we're gonna end it here. So, Hakite. <laughs>